have your Bibles and turn to 2 Samuel chapter number 6. 2 Samuel. Chapter number 6. And we'll read verses 1 through 23. 2 Samuel, chapter number 1, chapter 6, excuse me. Second chapter number chapter number 6, beginning with verse number 1. We'll read through the end of the chapter. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. If you want to, you can, if you don't have your own Bible, you can follow along on the screens. I have not said this in a while, but there should be a Bible somewhere uh, in front of you in uh, the little rack underneath the seat. So if you need one, you can have it. It is our gift to you because we believe that in the power of the word, God has spoken, his truth has been revealed, and when you receive it and eat it and take it, and uh, uh, it will change you and, and save you uh, and transform you. And so this is what you need. So please take it, it is our gift to you. Second Samuel chapter number six, beginning with verse number one. This is how it reads. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nikon, Uzzah put, on, put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down there because of his error. And he died there beside the ark of God. And David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah. And that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord and he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David. But David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. The Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told King David, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went up and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal. 
And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. David was a free worshiper. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn. And as the ark of the Lord came to the city of David, because the daughter of Saul looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. They brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in his place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed among all the people the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, a cake of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins to each one. Then all the people departed each to his house. And David returned to bless his household. But Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me prince over Israel, the people of the Lord. And I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this and I will be abased in your eyes. But by the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. And because the daughter of Saul had no child to the day of her death. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. On last week, David finally experiences the fulfillment of the promise of God that he would be king. But at first, that promise was only partially fulfilled. He did not immediately become king over all Israel, but he was only king over the house of Judah at first. And then, after that, we saw last week that immediately there were two houses in Israel. The house of Saul was still trying to keep its grip on the throne while David was had been anointed king over Judah. And so there was an internal or, or a civil war happening in Israel. There was blood, death. But yet, even though there were threats to the kingdom of God being established here on earth, the kingdom prevailed. And David was anointed king of both Judah and Israel. And we said at the end of last week's sermon that the promises of God are yea and amen. What God promises 
must come to pass. If God said it, so shall it be. David is on the throne, but with the, the old church would say at every level, there's a new devil. David has now been elevated, and as soon as he gets to the throne, he has new enemies to fight. Not necessarily new, but also some old enemies because the Philistines showed back up. But because the Lord is with him, because he is the Lord's anointed, David has victory over his enemies. So now David captures and goes now to the city of Jerusalem. That was the result of the victories. I'm giving you a recap of chapter 5. David has recaptured Jerusalem, and now it is called Zion. We hear this name Zion for the first time in Scripture. It is Jerusalem, and they call it the city of David. David, this is now David's city. This is where he will rule from. But he says, I don't want to rule here if God ain't here. And so what David determines and decides to do is he says, I want God's presence with me, so now let's go and get the ark of God. The, the, the ark of God, the symbol of God's presence among his people. Let's go get the ark. And so David gets these 30,000 men because he says, if I got to fight for it, I will. He goes to get the ark because the, the ark uh, uh, is not where it should have been. So he goes and get the ark. And he says, I'll, I want to bring it to Jerusalem. And so now this author here in 2 Samuel, this whole, he gives us this whole chapter in 2 Samuel chapter 6 to deal with the ark, the presence of God among his people. And as we see and deal with this ark, we, we are told that the ark is brought up from the house of Abinadab. But, it's not, but they encounter, as soon as they get the ark, they encounter some problems. And so what this text shows us is a couple of things, then I'll be out of your way. The first thing we see in our text when it comes to the ark, the presence of God among his people, is the wrong way to handle God's holy presence. The first thing we see is the wrong way to handle God's holy presence. Two, two problems that we see in our text. First, the first problem is that there was disobedience to the revealed word of God when it comes to handling the ark. Let me show it to you. Verse 3 of 2 Samuel 6 says, and they carried the ark of God on a new cart. Somebody say new cart. And brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. All of this church is problematic. And for us to understand why we have to go, uh, why it's so problematic, we have to go back to the book of Numbers, chapter 4. Verse number four, look, look at it, it's on the screen here. 
This is what it says. This is the service of the sons of Kohath the, in the tent of meeting, the most holy things. When the camp is to set out, Aaron and his sons shall go in, take down the veil of the screen that separated the holy place from the most holy place and covered the ark of the testimony with them. So first of all, they would take the veil and cover the ark with them. Because, the, actually, let's go to verse number 15, Numbers 4, verse 15. Let me show you something else. And when Aaron and his sons have finished covering the sanctuary and all the furnishings of the sanctuary, as the camp sets out, after that, the sons of Kohath shall come to carry these. Who? The sons of Kohath. And, but they must not touch the holy things, lest they die. These are the things of the tent of meeting that the sons of Kohath are to carry. The law specifically stated who was to carry the ark, first of all, and it was the Levites. And when they carried it, they were to carry it in a very specific way. They were to cover the ark with the veil. Then they were to carry it with poles. And they carried it with poles so that they didn't have to actually touch the ark. That Here are the rules of uh, transporting the ark. Don't touch. Don't look. Don't carry The Lord clearly revealed how the ark was to be transported. Yet here in our text this morning, they are not doing any of this. First, they messed up on the who. These are the sons of Abinadab. They are not Levites. Then, rather than carrying it with poles, they decided to put it on a new car pulled by oxen rather than having the Levites carry it with poles. Friends, they were clearly in violation of God's revealed word. Now the question that I had when I, would, uh, when I read this is what would make them carry the ark in this way? Well, I didn't have to think real hard. If we go back to 1 Samuel chapter 6, we get our answer. Now, go there, 1 Samuel chapter 6. Now, let me catch you up. Remember in 1 Samuel chapter 6, before 1 Samuel 6, the Philistines had defeated Israel. And as a result, the ark of God was captured by the Philistines and taken away to Philistine territory. But, however, because the ark of God was not with his people, chaos and catastrophe was experienced wherever it went. And the Philistines, after experiencing this chaos, this catastrophe, this tragedy, uh, they said, uh-uh, we've got to get this out of our land. So they determined to relocate the ark. When they finally decide to move it, this is how they decided to move it according to 1 Samuel chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. The men did so. Took two milk cows, yoked them to the cart, and shut up their calves at home. And they put the ark of the Lord on the cart in the box with the golden mice and the images of their tumors. Where did David and Israel get this idea to pull the, uh, 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 to transport the ark on a new cart? They got it from the pagans. The 
people of God decided to adopt the ways of the world rather than operate by the word. They thought it better to be conformed to the world rather than being transformed by God's word. That was the first problem, a blatant disregard for the word of God. Not only was there disobedience to the word of God, but there was a second problem. The second problem in our text is there was a disregard for the holiness of God. There was a disregard for the holiness of God. Let's go back to 2 Samuel chapter 6. There, we learn that the ark, they're pulling this ark on the new cart, and they're headed to Jerusalem, and they are excited. They are celebrating because the ark is on the move. It's headed home among his people. However, we learn that amidst this celebration, there's bad news. Look at verse 6 and 7. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. The anger of the Lord was kindled against us, and God struck him down because of his error, and he died there beside the ark of God. Look at this. The oxen stumbled. Uzzah sees the ark of God becoming unstable. Uzzah doesn't want the ark to fall to the ground, so he reaches out his hand and grabs the ark to stabilize it. Remember the rules of the ark. Don't carry, don't look, don't touch. As a result of Uzzah touching the ark, verse 7 says that the anger of the Lord was kindled. And what follows anger is wrath. The wrath of God is unleashed upon Uzzah. Uzzah is struck down and he dies. What's the problem here? Beloved, we must remember that the ark is no regular common piece of furniture. The ark is the place where God meets with his people. And the fact that it's God meeting with his people, that, that's why there's a throne on the ark. It's the, the, but not only is this the place the ark represents where God meets and dwells among his people, but the ark also contains the law, the revelation of God. So, so it's about the ark represents God's promises and it uh, also uh, uh, represents God's presence, but it also contains God's promises. This is no ordinary piece of furniture. This is a holy piece of furniture. The ark represents the holy presence of God among his people. Uzzah's problem, church, was that he had a low view of the holiness of God. Oz's problem was that he had a low view of the holiness of God and too high a view of himself. Let me tell you something. Oz's problem actually stems from our first problem. Remember, the first problem was there was disobedience to the word of God. Friends, we will always have a low view of God's holiness when we have a low view of God's word. 
We will never be able to begin to comprehend the holiness of God as long as we have some casual attitude toward his word. Now, I know, I know, I know you're saying, but, but us was doing a good thing. So this, this seems, God's reaction seems a bit extreme. One, on, on one hand, we got to remember that what other teaches us is you can do the right thing the wrong way. But 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 here 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 is what that wonderful theologian R.C. Sproul had to say about this incident with Uzzah. He said Uzzah's problem. Uzzah believed that mud would desecrate the ark, but mud is just dirt and water obeying God. Mud is not evil. God's law was not meant to keep the ark pure from the earth, but from the dirty touch of a human hand. Uzzah presumed his hands were cleaner than dirt. God said, nope. Beloved, we oftentimes think like Uzzah. We think our hands are cleaner than the dirt of the earth. And beloved, they are not. We have filthy hands. And our filthy hands stem from a dirty heart. We are all sinners. All have fallen short of the glory of God. We all fall short of God's holy standard of perfect righteousness. We all have filthy hands. This all leads to now a disastrous result. Uzzah is struck down and dies. Beloved, when sinners come before a holy God, there will be death. This is what happened to Uzzah. And church, that this was not ungracious of God or unmerciful of God. This was divine justice. See, see we, we love to talk about God's grace. We love to talk about God's mercy, and we ought to because the Lord is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding and, and, and steadfast. So that, that is who he is, but he is also a just God. And because he is holy, his justice demands that sin be dealt with. That's why the wages of sin has always been death. God is has every right to do what he did to Uzzah. That was justice. Justice demands that blood pay for the sin of man. David sees Uzzah dead, and his question in verse 9 is this, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? He's afraid. He's scared. His question is, how can God's holy presence dwell among me if he will kill a man for a seemingly good deed. And so they send the ark of the Lord away in fear. And it was sent to the house of Obed-Edom. And the Bible says in verse 11 that the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. The next verse tells us that the cause of the blessing was the ark of the Lord. Yes, God's presence may bring curse, but God's presence among his people is intended to bless his people. Friends, God's predisposition toward his people is to bless them when he dwells among them. 
Friends, we see this from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1. God creates Adam and Eve, and the first thing he does for them is he blesses them. Friends, God wants to bless his people, not destroy them via the ark. When the people of God honor and respect the Lord's holiness, he blesses them. From the Garden of Eden until the New Jerusalem, that's how God wants to dwell among his people. He wants to bless them. So David hears them and he says, I want that ark because God is still in the blessing business. But we start with the wrong way to handle God's holiness. But then we, David figures something out. In the three months that the ark is with Obed-Edom, David figures something out. Because we move from the wrong way to handle God's holiness to the right way to handle God's holiness. Remember the question of David? How can the ark of the Lord come to me? David figures it out in verse 13. Look what verse 13 says of 2 Samuel 6. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal. We, when the text says that there were those who bore the ark of the Lord, it is referring now to the Levites. How do you know that, Reverend? I love, I love how y'all question me sometimes. Yeah, I meant that sometimes. We know this because this story is retold actually in First Chronicles. If we go to First Chronicles, and the reason we need to read First Chronicles is because we believe that the best interpreter of Scripture is Scripture. And so we let scripture interpret scripture. Here is what Dave, here's what this story, story says in 1 Chronicles chapter 15, verse number 15. It says, and the Levites carried the ark on their shoulders with the poles as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. David recognized that the first time they carried the ark, they did it the wrong way. They were disobedient and did not carry the ark according to the word of the Lord. So this time he says, we're going to do it according to God's word. We're going to do God's will, God's way. We're, this time we're going to be obedient to God's word. We're not going to lean on to our, un, our own understanding. We're not going to cave in and do it the way the world does it. We're not going to let the world infiltrate us and determine how we do God's will. No, we're going to do God's will according to God's word. David finally figures it out, and he says that the way, the right way to handle God's holy presence is through obedience. David changes his mind. He changes his behavior. Friends, that's repentance. He turns from doing it his way into, and, and, and turns to doing it God's way. So the first answer to David's question of how can the ark of the Lord come to me? The answer is obedience. That solves the first problem that we saw earlier, the disobedience to the word of the Lord. But remember, there's a second problem. The second problem was the filthy hands problem. That was us's problem. That is our problem. The second half of verse 13 tells us how David 
solve the dirty hands problem. It says, the second half of verse 13 says that David sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal. Beloved, we must remember that without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. But a sinner's uh, sacrifice, the sinner's own blood is insufficient because it's contaminated with sin. And thus it is impure. Thus, the only way a sinner can enter the holy presence of God is through the blood of a substitute. Ooh, I wish I had a church this morning. Y'all don't know I'm on the runway. So what does David do? He takes an ox. Here they are. They went to Obed-Edom's house the first time. They, they get the Levites. The Levites are carrying it on poles on their shoulders. And here's what they do. They go, one two, three, four, five, six. Ah! We need a sacrifice because we, we've got the holy presence of God with us among us. The first time this happened, we stumbled. There was a stumble that was a, and, and, and God struck him down. So this time, in case we stumble, what we need to do is there needs to be some bloodshed. Because our sins need to be atoned for. And so they make this sacrifice. And then once the, 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 the ark actually gets to Jerusalem, David makes some more sacrifices of burnt offerings and peace offerings. The, the burnt offerings were to atone for the sins of the people and satisfy the righteous wrath of God. So this, this, they figured out, how do you approach a holy God when you've got filthy hands? Through the blood of a substitute. <laughs> but wait a minute, wait a minute. We actually have no problem, no problem, no problem. That substitute that they offered was temporary. Because guess what? The priest would have to go daily and make sacrifices for his sins and the sins of the people. What they really needed was not a temporary substitute, but they needed an eternal substitute. Because of the insufficiency of these animal sacrifices, the high priest would have to go back regularly and offer sacrifice on behalf of the people. So you know what the Lord did? He said, I'll do something about it myself. So what did the Lord do? He, he took his own son, who is the Lamb of God, and he appointed his own son to be a great high priest. And that son is Jesus, who is holy, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. And this, this priest is different from the high priest in Israel. How do I know that? Because Hebrews chapter 7 verse 27 tells us that Jesus has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of his people. Since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. And then the author of Hebrews gives us some more news in chapter 8 verse 12 when he says that Jesus entered once for all into the holy places. Not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. 
Beloved, it's because of the blood of Jesus that we now have access to the very holy presence of God. It's because of Jesus that we can remain in the presence of God without fear. It's because of Jesus that now we can enter in boldly before the throne of grace. It's because of Jesus that we can enter in because we've been forgiven of our sin debt, not in part, but in whole. Friends, it's because of Jesus. And since, Je since we've forgiven, there's no longer any need for another sacrifice because Jesus paid it all. That's the right way. And typically, that would be my exit. Typically, that's where I would, since we've been to Calvary, where else is there to go? Well, there's one more thing in this text that I think we need to see. When you get into the holy presence of God, there's only one way to respond. And that's with joyful celebration. I didn't make that up. It's all over our text. The author goes out of his way in this chapter to tell us that when the ark is brought back, there is dancing, joy, celebration, and shouting. Let me show it to you in verse 5. It says, David and all of Israel were celebrating with songs and instruments. In verse 12, the ark was brought up. Uh, when the ark was brought up, it was done with rejoicing. In verse 14, it tells us that David danced before the Lord with all his might. Then in verse 16, David is described as dancing and leaping before the Lord. Friends, David is so excited that God's presence is among them that he dances himself half naked. Michal, who was the wife of David, Though she is called in our text three times, not the wife of David, but the daughter of Saul. She, with her soulish tendencies, confronts David about his behavior. And she says to David in verse 20, how the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. Michal is miffed at David. She says that what David did in his dancing was, here's a word, undignified. She, she says that the way you acted today was not appropriate for a king. And she believed the way David acted in dancing and leaping and praising God was shameless for a royalty. So the text says she despised David in her heart. Because problem, church, was that she had her eyes on the wrong throne. Michal didn't realize that the king of kings was now dwelling among his people. It was his throne that was at the top of the ark. But all she cared about was the throne of David. Michal's other problem was she was too caught up with the dignity of David as king. She thought decorum and dignity was more important than dancing. 
And when she, when she uh, uh, confronts David about his behavior, David says, well, let me tell you how I really feel about it. She says, just, he says, first of all, I want you to know that when I was dancing and when I was leaping and I was praising God, it was before the Lord. That's what he says. He said, it was before the Lord. In other words, that praise that I just gave to God, that wasn't for you. My all, And by the way, you got a problem because I danced that way in front of some female servant girls. Guess what? It wasn't for them either. When, when, when I was dancing and leaping, David said, says there was only an audience of one. And that, all, and that one was the Lord of heaven and the earth. And beloved, that's what we need to remember when we get into the very presence of God. First of all, you need to know that there will be some me calls around who are judging and criticizing your praise. There will always be somebody talking about, now it don't take all that. There will always be somebody say, we all scheduled now. There will always be somebody out there say, look at her and look at him. But what you need to tell every one of those me calls in the room is, it ain't for you. This is for the Lord. This ain't for you because you obviously don't know what the Lord has done for me. Because really, you the only reason you can judge me is because I don't look like what I've been through. But I know what I've been through. So I'm going to give him glory. Somebody come help me here. Give the honor and all of the praise. So when I show up on Sunday morning, my praise is to him. My, the, my worship is to him. He can look Actually, don't look at me. Join me. Because if he's been good to me, I know he's been good to you. It's to him. To him be the glory. To him be the honor. To him be the praise. He's my king. He's my Lord. He's my savior. There's nobody like him. So I'll give him the glory. I'll give him the honor. And I'll give him the praise. David says not only was it before the Lord, but the reason today that I praise him like I do is because what he's done for me. David says, what has he done for you? He said, he chose me. <laughs> he chose me to be king over Israel. He says, it was the Lord who called me from the pasture and now has put me on the palace. <laughs> It was the Lord who chose me. Samuel came. He looked at all my brothers, but they didn't want me. But Samuel said, no, none of these are the ones. Do you have any more sons? And my daddy said, well, there's my little one, but he's out in the fields with the sheep. And Samuel said, go get him. And when Samuel saw me, he said, that's the one. I was dirty. I had sheep stuff all over me. But yet the Lord said, you will be king. So the Lord chose me. And because he chose me, I will dance. And I will be Because he chose me. They would say, did he choose me? Above my brothers. But he also chose me. Above your daddy. Because he chose me on 
for your brothers too. And because he chose me, I gotta give him the glory. I gotta give him the honor. I gotta give him the praise. And friends, that's not even David's testimony. But that's my testimony too. That before the foundation of the world, he chose me. Yes, he elected me. And that's just not Brandon's testimony, but that's your testimony too. He chose you. Even though he knew the worst about you, he said, You are mine. And I am yours. Friends, that's why I celebrate this morning because he chose me. Actually, we call it hooping. And that's when you put some music to your sermon and you just celebrate the good news that you have just heard about the Lord. Friends, when the Philistines captured the ark, there was a child born at that time. And that child was named Ichabod. Ichabod means the glory has departed. And all of Israel lamented because the glory had departed from Israel via the ark. But here in 2 Samuel chapter 6, their story and their song is no longer Ichabod. Their song is, the glory has returned. And when the glory has returned, Psalm 96 says, you ought to sing to the Lord a new song. Psalm 96 says, you ought to ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. When the glory returns, glory ought to go up from the people of God. 
Friends, all the glory belongs to the Lord. And he deserves it. Does anybody know that? That the Lord deserves the glory? All of the glory. All the honor belongs to the Lord. The worship team is coming now. And they're going to lead us in a song of response. As they are coming, there may be some man, woman, or girl here this morning. with the truth of you have filthy hands. And that's all because you have a filthy heart. You realize that you are a sinner deserving God's wrath. And what you need to hear this morning is that God has made a way. He has made a provision for you to be forgiven of your sin. That way is none other than his own son, Jesus Christ. Jesus paid the, uh, the punishment. He took the punishment that you deserve. He put it upon his, God put it upon his own son. Died your death. Because you fall short of God's holy and perfect standard. That Jesus died, was buried. But the good news is that he went victoriously. Uh, he came victoriously from the grave with all power in his hands. And that was his father saying, I accept your sacrifice. It was the father's stamp of approval and acceptance. And so the promise that you can have this morning is that all who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. So if you are here this morning and have not put all of your hope and trust in Jesus Christ, we call on you, we admonish you, we exhort you, we urge you, we plead with you to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't trust in your goodness, it falls short. Don't trust in, the, in, in, in coming to church every Sunday, that act alone falls short. Don't, don't trust in the fact that you grew up in a Christian household. That falls short. Only to those who believe and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Only, to, only those have the right to become children of God. So believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. For the rest of us this morning here, we need to enlarge our view of God's holiness. And if we will start to get there, we will see how much we need Jesus. How much we need to rely on Jesus, depend on Jesus. For some, the call today is a call of repentance. Because you have violated the holiness of God. Every sin against God is a sin of, uh, against the holiness of God. Lord, thank you so much for your word. 
convict us, convince us, convert us, change us. God, now we confess that we haven't always given you the glory you deserve. So forgive us, oh God. And God, now we, we are committing and recommitting to give you the glory that you deserve in our lives, in every area of it, at home, in a workplace, in places of recreation, in our family life, you deserve the glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's go.